You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. I'm excited as I was thinking at the, our first service that, you know, every Sunday we're gathering with, with thousands and thousands and presumably millions of people who are followers of Jesus around the world, and that's awesome, but I'm picturing today as a special day, it's just, it's the day that we, the Sunday that our Lord rose from the grave, and that we gather with those millions of people around the world to celebrate that, and I had a thought that I don't think I ever thought before, but I wonder what heaven is like today, you know, I, every day in heaven is a, is a celebration of our Lord is alive, and it is that way, but I can't help but think that today might be a little extra, if that's possible, I don't know how that works, I'm looking forward to finding out, but It's a tremendous day that our Lord is alive and brings great joy uh, to us. And I want to share with you just this morning four very simple but practical implications of our Lord's resurrection for our life today. Just four things that are important for us to kind of get our, our minds and our hearts wrapped around. And I want to talk about the resurrection that happened before the resurrection. And we're going to talk about Lazarus when, G- when Jesus came and he raised Lazarus from the dead, proving that he himself would one day rise from the dead. And he told us that, he, that we'll see in just a moment that he is the resurrection and the life. Jesus didn't come to bring a resurrection. He didn't come to bring life. He came being the resurrection. He came being the life. It's, it's innate within him. It's within his, his own presence, his own personhood, if you will. He doesn't have resurrection power. He is resurrection power. Think of it this way. When you're sick, you need healing. You don't need a medical journal. You don't honestly don't need your, your, your neighbor's advice or, you know, just whatever the latest, you know, take this little formula that I cooked up in the back room to get well. You need a doctor. You need a person who's going to be able to make you well. And that's who Jesus is. He is the resurrection and life. And because of that, four key simple things for us. So take your Bible, if you would, and join me in the Gospel of John, chapter 11. We're not going to read the whole story of of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, but we're going to pick some pieces about it. And uh, I do have to, early on, offer an apology to the parents in the room. So we have just the most brilliant strategy, and that is to sugar your kids up, you know, and then ask them to sit there quietly and you know, I'm, I probably should have said, like, you can only eat this at the end of the message, you know. And then, like, then they'd go home all bouncing off the walls. So anyway, but uh, kids, we really are glad that you're here today. And it's a special day for all of us to celebrate. I wish we could have done an egg hunt, but at least you got something out of the deal anyway. So read with me if you would. John chapter 11 and read with me in verse 17. The Bible says this. Now, when Jesus came... He found that Lazarus had already been dead or had already been in the tomb four days. The backstory of this is, is such. Mary and Martha and Lazarus were all siblings. And Mary and Martha, we know, were, were followers of Jesus. This is not Mary, mother's, uh, Jesus's uh, mother. It's another follower of, of his. And Lazarus became very ill. We don't know if he had an appendicitis attack and his appendix exploded and he died of toxin, but whatever he had, he was very ill and it ultimately led to his death. And the deal is, is Jesus intentionally, when he found out Lazarus was very ill, waited around and didn't go and bring healing. And when he finally shows up on the scene, Lazarus is in the tomb and he's laying there stone cold dead for four days. 
The four days is significant. You see, in an age before stethoscopes and EKG machines and whatever doctors do to pronounce life or death over someone, oh, he's alive or no, she's, she's passed and time of death is such and such. Uh, just like today, sometimes people, you know, there's been stories even in modern science, doctors missing it or somewhere, and you find out somebody is laying in a coffin somewhere a day later, and they wake up kind of like, what's going on, and whatever. So the rule of thumb in that day is, is if a person was dead for three days, they were really dead, because ain't nobody ever came back after three days. So Lazarus was in that tomb, stone rolled in front of it, four days, laying there, stone cold dead. Everybody knew he was absolutely dead when Jesus came. The Bible goes on in verse 18, says this, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know what, whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Hear the, the hurt, the pain in Martha's voice. She's not saying, Jesus, it's your fault that, that Lazarus died, but she's not far off. Lord, if you'd have been here, he'd still be with us right now. Lord, if you'd have been here, we wouldn't have had this funeral. Lord, if, if you'd have been here, he'd be still walking with us. And I don't know, you're here, I don't know what you're going to do. I know that whatever you say, you can do. But Lord, this is not where we want to be right now. Notice what Jesus goes on and says. He said to her in verse 23, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. I got that. I know that death for him is not fatal. It's not final. I know he's a follower of yours, Lord, and that he's going to rise again. But that doesn't help my current reality. My brother's in that grave. He is dead. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the, the Savior, the Messiah, the Chosen One, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Jesus goes on and proceeds to tell them to remove the stone. And, uh, and Martha objected. She said, Lord, he's been in there a long time. He stinks. Like, this is not good. This is bad. This is, Department of Health is probably going to shut us down. Like, this is socially not cool. And Jesus still said, roll the stone away. And then he uttered it, and the Bible says he spoke out loud not to gain, we know not to gain authority because all authority belonged to him. But he spoke out loud these words. He said, Lazarus, come forth. He spoke loud enough so that everybody would know that Lazarus came out of that grave, not because he recovered from some illness, not because somebody was secretly sleep, slipping in food and water to him and, you know, under the stone, 
But then Lazarus came back to life because only Jesus has the authority to command that which is dead to be alive. Only Jesus has the authority to call out to somebody who cannot hear, who has no life in their body, to raise from the dead. Only Jesus has the authority of, of life and death. Only he has that ability. And so he spoke in a way that the whole world might know and might see. So four things for you and for me practically in our life today that that resurrection that ultimately led to Jesus' resurrection, proving of that, that Jesus would be able to rise from the dead, and he demonstrated himself four things. First thing I want you to recognize is because Jesus is the resurrection and the life, there's more to your life than you realize. There's more to your life than you know. You see, Mary and Martha were like us. They're responding to the realities of life. Death is the ultimate reality in our life, folks. Who knows what happens today in the world around us? Politics come and go. Nations rise and fall. Health comes and goes. Education comes and goes. Philosophies come and go. And your life, one thing is for sure. You're going to die one day. And Jesus came. He came so that that we might be delivered from that death. He came ultimately to tell us that, that there's more to our life than just those things that we see around us. Mary and Martha were dealing with their, the passing of their brother, and guests were in from out of town, consoling them, there to encourage them. They had gone through the whole funeral process and, and, and picture them in mourning and picture the family coming in and cooking for them and trying to take care of them and all of those things. And yet Jesus said, there's a bigger purpose at play here, Martha. Lord, you could have done something about this. We didn't have to be right here right now. Lord, we didn't have to go through this. You can hear in her voice, why? What? Why? You see, Martha and Mary, like us today, we don't see the things that God is doing around us. We see like this, and God sees like this. We have the little light on, and God has the full spotlight of what's going on in our life. You see, Jesus tells us, the Lord Jesus tells us exactly himself what was going on. The sisters in verse 3 sent to him. They sent him a message, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It's for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And so Jesus stayed put. You see, Jesus waited intentionally so that Lazarus died. Waited allowed Mary and Martha to go through more suffering and anguish, allowed Lazarus to go through the travails of pain and ultimately experience and taste of death himself, all for the express purpose of bringing glory to himself and ultimately so that others might believe. In fact, after Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead, the Bible says that many of them who had come, had come believed. They believed in him. Those people who were there consoling Mary and Martha, not expecting a resurrection, they saw what Jesus did, and they believed. You see, God allows things in your life, sufferings, pain, hardship, death, struggles, difficulties, 
trauma, tribulation, trials, headaches, frustrations, heartaches, hurts, because he has a bigger purpose in your life than just what you see that is in front of you. Bigger purpose than those things. And what he's wanting to do is to bring glory to himself through you as you walk through those things and then ultimately point to himself through your life to those around you so that they might in turn believe. You see, only this begins to make sense in our life. That because Jesus is the resurrection in our life, we need to look at ourselves different. We need to look at our tomorrow different. We need to look at whatever stage we are in life, whether we're just beginning, whether you're a, a college student who are trying to make their way, like, I just want to graduate. COVID, no COVID. I just want to graduate and want to get a job. Or maybe you're on the other end of life and retired and just like, what do I do now with my life? That regardless of where you are in, in all of those phases of life, having children or children getting married, as mine did yesterday, that there's a bigger purpose in our life than just those specific events and those specific things that are happening with us, that God is bringing glory to himself. Does that make God an egomaniac? No. See, God's, God's not prideful because when you have all power, all authority, all knowledge, infinite, self-existent, there's nobody on par with you to brag to. In fact, there's no need to brag. You've got it all anyway. If you need to brag, it actually shows you don't have it all. So Jesus isn't pointing himself. God is not glorifying himself so that he can just be some big shot, if you will. He's actually pointing to himself so that you he, and I will see that he's what we need and we'll respond. He wants us to see him in his glory so that, that we might know him and that we might turn to him for salvation from our sins. And so God is making clear that, that he did the, the amazing, unexpected thing and raised Lazarus from the dead and allowed them to go through those challenges because he was trying to grow the faith of Mary and Martha. Mary, do you really believe this? Mary, Martha believed Jesus could do a lot, but it was here. And Jesus needed to take her faith here. And the people around her didn't have faith at all. And they needed to see the whole thing so that they would turn and trust Jesus. So because Jesus is a resurrection and a life, you might go through some difficult things, but there's a purpose to it. And trust him and allow God who never is late, but who will always show up on time and take care of you and allow him to glorify himself through you. That's the first thing. The second thing is, is if Jesus is a resurrection in life, he can overcome anything in your life. Folks, the mic drop is the resurrection. There's no other miracle, there's no other thing in this world that's harder to do than to raise somebody from the dead. Walking on water, piece of cake. I do it every winter, by the way. Of course, it's called ice. <laughs> Feeding the 5,000, child's play. You raise somebody from the dead, whoa. There's no hocus-pocus miracle, no sleight of hand on that one. You see, if Jesus can raise somebody from the dead... And if he himself raises from the dead, and not the Bible, actually, it's a subtle thing in there, but God the Father raises from the dead, and Jesus raises himself as well. If you can self-raise, you can rise from the dead yourself, there is nothing in this world that you can't do. Nothing that you can't do. And what that means for you and for me is, 
Whatever is going on in our world today, our Lord Jesus is the one we need to look to. You see, he's asking us. We need to be where Martha is. Lord, I know you can do whatever you say. Say the word and you've got it. But she really wasn't expecting a resurrection. She didn't come. Mary, get over here. Come on, this is going to be awesome. Jesus is here. He's going to do it. She was like, Lord, kind of, we don't want to read too much into it. She was crying. I don't know if she was chastising, but Lord, I don't get this. Like, you're late. You didn't do what we needed. And God did it just so that he could prove to her and so he could prove to you and to me that whatever it is in your life and in my life that we face, God can handle it. Folks, it's not being, it's not lowering the power and authority of God to limit those things to saying, God, I don't know how I'm going to get through with these assignments at school today. God, I'm, I've done my best to just make this happen and do well in this relationship. I don't know how this is going to work, God. God, I don't know how we're going to make ends meet. God, I, I don't know how all this is going to go down. You see, God wants us to look up and to say, wait a minute. I'm talking about the God who raised from the dead. I'm talking about the Lord Jesus, the ruler of heaven and earth. And if he loves me enough to, to save me from my sins, and if he has that kind of power, God, there ain't nothing you can't do right now in my life. And he wants us to walk every day in the midst of that, dealing with the realities and the traumas and difficulties of life, not ignoring them, not diminishing them, not making light of them, not somehow psychotically asking, acting like they don't happen or mean anything, but in the middle of it, to walk through it and to hold our head high and say, Lord, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I know it's going to turn out all right because I know you are the resurrection and you're the life, and I trust you. I trust you right now, God. You see, God is at all times trying to strengthen and to grow us in our faith, to deepen the faith that we have. If we don't have faith, he wants to bring us to that point. And if we do have faith in him as our Lord and Savior, then he wants to deepen that evermore. Our entire life building us, growing us, bringing us in closer, in that which is a simple trust relationship with him. You see, the two commodities of heaven, two currencies of heaven, if you will, it's grace and faith. It's God's grace to us that we need. Without grace, folks, we die and we perish. We're done. We're cooked. It's over. And faith is our response to that. Grace is God loving us and sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. That's what God does. Extending graciously when we don't deserve it, we don't earn it, can't do anything to get it. And then he says, there's only one thing I've asked of you. Turn away from those sins and have faith. Trust me to be your Lord and Savior. Don't trust religion. Don't trust being a good person. Get over your skepticism. Get over your cynicism. Get past your hang-ups. Get past the questions that you think are so smart and that stump everything. And simply trust me. See, sometimes people are skeptical and cynical in those things and they have the, the deeper questions, and they feel like they have to have every little question answered before they make a decision to trust Jesus. And if they can't have every little question answered, if they can't see the resurrection in front of them themselves, well, they're not going to believe. 
Folks, can we all be just intellectually honest and real honest with each other? You make hundreds of decisions a week that are half-baked, that you're pretty sure is the right way to go. You live your life that way. There's really no guarantees pretty much in anything you do. When you buy a car, when you go down the highway, person you marry, who you choose as a friend, who, what job you take, you make all kinds of decisions when there's questions that you have, but you get enough answers to say, that's what I ought to do. I'm going to take that step. I'm going to commit. I'm going to trust and do it. Why in the world would you get hung up and feel like you've got to answer 90,000 questions? God has given enough of the big ones, and he doesn't owe you anything to make you to answer the little ones for you. He's just saying, will you trust me? Will you, will you take that step? That's the cynical side, the skeptical side, the, well, I don't know. By the way, there, no faith, non-faith is not an option with Jesus. By that I mean this. I'm not saying that you can be saved and have a relationship with him without faith. That's true. You don't even have the, the opportunity to not believe something. See, sometimes very skeptical, cynical people act like, well, I'm not a person of faith. I just, I, I don't, that's all religious hocus pocus. Can I point out something really simple to you? With what I'm talking this morning about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, and we celebrate a day that Jesus himself rose from the dead, you don't have the option to not believe something about that. You either believe that it's real, it happened, or you believe that it's not real and didn't happen. And you can't prove that it didn't happen, so the only thing you got left is faith. You're going to have faith. Faith is a, it's a not, it's, it's not an option. It's not optional. Everybody is going to believe in something. And that makes a whole lot more sense to me to trust in Jesus. I'll talk more in a minute about that in a second, about why some things. So move past the cynicism. Secondly, some of you aren't maybe cynical. You're just we as people, do you, do you ever have days that you just get lazy? Honest? It's Easter, and you're in church. You can't lie. Raise your hand. Do you ever just some days get lazy? Yeah. Now you know you're not supposed to lie ever, not just in church. I'm messing with you. I'm having fun with you. But yeah, I like an honest man right there. Double portion of whatever your dessert is for Easter right there. Sometimes we get lazy spiritually, and we just don't ever get around to taking it seriously. And we play enough with religion and believing in God that we think we're good and okay. And that's kind of like half painting your house. It'd be like, guys, it would be like your, your wife for coming home and be like, what'd you do today? Well, I painted the house. Oh, you finally got around to it? Yeah. And, and she goes outside and like, well, I see one side got painted. What about the other three? Well, I thought that was good enough. I just, I painted. I'm like, well, thank you, but it's not kind of what I was hoping for. You see, we get lazy, and we just sometimes don't take care of business in life, and we don't do it spiritually. And what Jesus is looking for, he's calling us to an intensity, a focus, a commitment that trusts him fully as our Lord and Savior. You see, 
That brings me to the third thing that Jesus does, is not only does he, because he's a resurrection and, and the life, is he, is he able to, to change our life and there's more to our life than what we look at? Our life has a purpose and a meaning and we should realize that. And, and he wants to grow us in faith and he wants to save other people through the hardships and difficulties in our, our life and that because he's that, that resurrection in our life, that he can overcome anything in our life. He made delay. He waited two days for Mary or Martha and for Lazarus to die, but he came anyway. But because Jesus is the resurrection and the life, he can guarantee, he can secure eternal life for you. He can provide that. He's not like a politician that makes promises that don't deliver and then somehow through a back door another way ends up doing the exact opposite of what they said when nobody's looking. He secures our eternity. He said to Martha, Martha, I am. Not I might be the resurrection of life, not I hope to be, not that I have been the resurrection of life, not that I will be. Martha, Yesterday I'm the resurrection of life. Today I'm the resurrection of life. Tomorrow I'm the resurrection of life. And for all of eternity I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he die, though he might die physically, yet shall he live. He will live. And everyone who lives, in other words, everyone who's alive physically today right now and believes in me, shall never die. In other words, never die spiritually. Sean, are you saying that then for followers of Jesus, they don't really die? I've been to a lot of funerals, a lot of them were Christians, and they sure look dead to him. No, I'm not playing that game. Jesus isn't either. What Jesus is saying to us, when you truly become a follower of him, and your faith, you move past laziness and skepticism, and you go all in and you put your full trust in Him as your Savior and Lord, admitting your sins and turning from them and trusting Him to save you, that for you, your ultimate physical death in this world is not the final thing. It's not the final chapter. It's not the end of the story. That you have a future. You have an eternity. And He guarantees us that, that for us, in a very real way, death is not a death. It's a moment of pain. It is a season of suffering. It is a difficulty, and we go through those. But he gives us all of eternity. He gives us that life now that, that lasts forever, and he secures it. So this morning, that because Jesus is alive, it's not just, oh, that's a nice, happy thing that's alive, and oh, springtime, things should be alive. And this is not a moralization of just making us winners over and springs here. This is you walk around in your life that he's alive. And I've got a hope and a future and an eternal life that is guaranteed and secure no matter what in the whole world around me. And our response in that whole thing is to simply believe and to trust him. That's what Jesus was trying to do today. School was in session. The whole world needed to hear. And Jesus intentionally allowed that to be demonstrated, to teach Mary and Martha and those who were followers of him what was going on so they would trust him more. And those who didn't know, who didn't have that saving faith that would trust him for the first time, and the Bible says that many believed. In fact, so many that some who didn't believe ran back and kind of tattletailed to the religious leaders and like, man, Jesus just did this thing over here, just raised this dude from the dead. 
And you know what? Everybody likes him, and they're following him. In fact, he's gone viral on this thing. He's just, everybody's on it. And rather than being shocked, like, oh, my goodness, he raised him from the dead. You know what their headline was? Headline was, whoa, Jesus is too popular. He's got more followers on Facebook than we do. His Instagram is blowing up. He's got way more people watching him on TikTok than we do. We got to get rid of him. Yeah, this is not going to work because if Jesus keeps doing this thing, nobody's going to follow us. He's going to be the favorite. He's going to be the most popular one. And they really, from that point, made a, a decision to put him to death. And that's the, you read the rest of the Gospel of John, and from that forward, the plan is laid out. But Jesus did that willingly to go to the cross to pay for your penalty, your corruption, your sin, and mine, so that we'd be forgiven by just simply trusting him, by stopping in our life and saying, God, I'm not going to be distracted. I'm not going to be lazy. I'm not going to be just doing my own thing. And I'm, I'm going to put aside cynicism and skepticism, and I'm just going to take a step that's reasonable enough to trust you, to trust you. And that brings me to the fourth thing. Because Jesus is the resurrection of life, we ought to believe in him. We ought to. It's incumbent upon us to, to trust him to trust him in every area of our life, but especially to trust him for our salvation. We should trust him. He's always there trying to, to build our faith in him. He's there trying to break into our life to bring that faith. You may be like, well, Sean, I've never seen a resurrection. I'm just really doubtful that that can be real. Like, seriously, I'm a modern mind, and I can't believe in those fairy tales. Folks, it's reasonable to believe that our Lord Jesus rose from the dead. It's reasonable. Well, why do you, why? Have you ever seen one? No, haven't. Well, let, me, let me start out by this. What percentage of things that you believe in in general have you really seen in person? Do, do you, were you there when they landed on the moon? I wasn't. You ever seen the space shuttle take off? I haven't. Ever been to Grand Canyon? Some of you probably have. I haven't. Ever been to Russia? No. Hadn't seen that. Haven't seen the Queen Mother in England. I think she's real, but never seen her in person. Never met Abraham Lincoln. How do I know if those pictures are from him or somebody else? I wasn't there during the Revolutionary War. There are so many. I've never seen an atom, molecule. I think it's there. It makes sense. My teacher's told me you've seen it. My professor, she said it was there. Must be. I'd be willing to bet most things in your life that you really believe and accept as true, you've never personally verified. See, we go every day believing all kinds of stuff. It's reasonable to believe in things that we haven't seen based on what other people have seen. We accept eyewitness testimony all the time in courts of law. And the Bible tells us that when Jesus rose from the dead, there were over 500 people that saw him. And it spread around. This was news. This was not in a corner. This is not some little thing over here. This was big news. And they wrote those things down. And people who lived and knew those people kept those copies and passed them along to the next people. 
and they've been passed down through generations of reliable testimony of our Lord's resurrection. Then we add into that, if it really was a lie and Jesus' closest followers were lying, why were they willing to die? Why were they willing to be beaten? Why were they willing to be persecuted? You see, we'll lie when we get a benefit. If you did something wrong or trying to get away with something, you and I on the worst day, I don't care if you're a follower of Jesus or not, are very tempted to lie and very well may do that. Because there's that sin nature in us that we don't want to lose out. It's wrong and we feel guilty and shame, but we lie to get an advantage. We lie to gain something. It's humanity. It's sinful. It's what we do. But nobody in their right mind lies when they only lose. And there's nothing for them, even perception or reality, to be gained by that. Nobody. See, if we have those apostles, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't, I, I don't need to be beaten, 39 lashes. I don't need to be crucified. I, I just made it up. Gee, I, he really didn't rise from the dead. I didn't really see him. That really didn't happen. You and I, if we're facing our own death over just a simple lie to prop something up, we would, we would be like, oh, I was kidding, joking. Not, didn't happen. Throw me in prison, but don't kill me. Like, can I do like 60 days and get out of jail? And yet they died, and successively generations after generations die with that same truth and reality. There's nothing in the world that can make sense of that except that it's real. We look back when Jesus was laid in that tomb, the Roman soldiers were set there to be on guard, and Caesar's seal was impressed upon the tomb, waxed with his signature that meant anybody that opened this tomb, think of like a seal on a letter, you know, back in the day, they would melt that wax and put a hot seal to a letter. When you, that came to you and that seal wasn't broken, you knew nobody had opened it but you, for your eyes only. Same deal with that tomb. Only Caesar had the authority to open that tomb. Nobody dare touch it. And those Roman soldiers were put there to guard it. Well, Sean, soldiers aren't always reliable. They make mistakes. True, but not in Rome. The world has never known a disciplined army like Rome. You see, Rome, when you did not, when you were a soldier and you didn't do your duty well, you didn't get just your rank busted. You didn't just lose a stripe. You just didn't lose pay. You didn't get a demerit. You didn't give me 50 push-ups. You didn't even get thrown into the brig or brought up on charges court-martialed, you got killed. If you didn't do your job and you fell asleep on your watch, you were dead. You're gone. Over with. It's easy to keep discipline in the ranks when you die. You don't fulfill what the, your commanding officer tells you to do. You're dead. In fact, guys, you're, when you went to work as a soldier, your wife would have said, make sure you do whatever he tells you to do because I want you to come home. And when you're there to face the enemy, your odds against the enemy were better than your odds against your, your disobeying your commanding officer. You didn't dare run away because you were a goner. Those soldiers knew that they dare not fall asleep, dare not allow just some little ragtag guys trying to steal a body of Jesus, a bunch of fishermen. Like, seriously? Against hardened special ops troops? No. Jesus, the only reasonable explanation is that the resurrection is real. That God in heaven rolled that tombstone back 
as the old saying goes, not to let Jesus out, but to let you and me in. That our Lord is alive. He's alive. He's alive in our life today. Changes our life. Changes us. It's another, the fourth thing that I'll leave you with is why we ought to believe in the resurrection. There's no explanation to the incredible changes that God brings into people's lives when they truly put their trust in Jesus. He's the one that sets the the man who's out of his mind, naked, running through the tombs, at peace and clothed because he removes the demons. He's the one who raises the woman caught in prostitution and delivers her from that in the shame and changes all of that in her life. He's the one who delivers the addict. He's the one who delivers us from our envy and our jealousy and our anxieties. He's the one that breaks the bondage of our sin. He's the one that overcomes the past in our childhoods and the scars and the brokenness in our lives. He's the one that when we trust Him by faith, that He changes us. He alone is the one that remodels and completely reconstructs and renews a soul. Nobody knows how to do that. There's not a 12-step program on the planet that can do it. They can help you some, and they can do some amazing things. I'm truly not knocking any of that. But they can't do it across the board. And even if you really you walk into it, it's three steps forward, one back, and two, and it's a struggle because of our sin nature. But only Jesus comes in and takes down walls and removes and frees and heals and delivers. You see... For thousands of years, people's lives have been supernaturally transformed and changed. And that's who we are as a church, living that out. Well, Sean, I've seen a lot of Christians, and they're not all so nice, and they're not all so good. Listen, don't allow counterfeit Christians to keep you from faith. Everything of value in this world is counterfeited. It's actually a complement to the gospel of our Lord Jesus, not a detriment. See, I don't care if it's cars, if it's money, whatever. They're counterfeits, fakes, forgeries. Shouldn't we not be surprised that the real deal relationship that we get with Christ and changing our life would be counterfeited too? So move past those. Think about the people that you know, that you knew were this way before Jesus in their life, and you know are this way. Like, I don't know what happened, but... You're different. To be honest with you, when that happens within a family, it's a little spooky and weird, and it can create problems and waves. I've seen it in marriages. I've seen it in relationships with with parents and children. And when the Lord Jesus comes into a person's life, he makes them new, teaches them how to genuinely love and not be selfish and grow them. Are they perfect? Absolutely not. But are they different? Yes. And every day more and more, He brings his character. Only Jesus is the one that said, love your neighbor as yourself. Buddha didn't say that. Gandhi didn't say that. Muhammad certainly didn't say that. Only Jesus came speaking and living and demonstrating that real truth. And that change in our life makes all the difference in the world. So guys, this morning, I don't know where you are with Jesus being the resurrection and the life, and you kids have been absolutely amazing. I'm so glad you stayed in here today, and next week we're going to be back to normal and have our kids' programs. Thank you for indulging us one Easter day to let us all be together. I don't know where you are with the resurrection, 
But if you are struggling to believe it and put your faith in Jesus, I urge you to take it seriously. Take whatever looking into it that you need to. We have a book out back, A Case for Easter. Look at it. There's more YouTube videos and books you can get today that are explain it better than I can. Look into that. But come to the place where you're like, you know what? I've got 20 questions over here I don't know, but I got these over here, and it makes sense. I'm going to put my trust in Jesus. Maybe you are, have trusted in Jesus, but maybe you've allowed the world to get you down. We've talked a lot about this in the year of COVID, in the year of elections, in the year of just, I mean, it's the political side of things. It's the health, it's the mental health, it's relationships. It's been a hard year, right, everybody? Because of the resurrection, we should only have hope in our future. Only hope. Only hope. He is the resurrection and the life. That's the headline today. It's not on USA Today or anything else. It's not the Times Union. It's connected to Gazette. Our Lord is alive. So put your hope and live out of that truth. Know that if He can do that, He can do anything in your life. We always struggle for that to be reality, and it will continue because we are still weak and frail and sinful as human beings. But where in your life today do you need to walk with your head high, trusting Jesus? Even in the small things, even working your way through the difficulties of life. But today, our team is going to come up in just a minute. In fact, you guys go ahead and start making your way. Today, for Easter, before you go home and have dinner or whatever you're going to do this afternoon, before the kids get too crazy with sugar, what do you need to think about with that resurrection? Where do you need to focus to take that step of faith? Maybe your faith in Jesus is here, and maybe it needs to go here. Maybe you really haven't surrendered to him, and you need to do that. I don't know. But whatever he's done, don't leave here today without celebrating him and knowing him as a resurrection and life. Pray with me, would you? And we'll close with this song. Father, thank you. Thank you that Jesus delayed that day, those two days. And Father, uh, I know that was painful for Mary and Martha. But Lord, I'm so glad that, that you did that and so grateful for their suffering and what it means to our own faith. Thank you for demonstrating. Thank you, Father, that Jesus is the resurrection and life. And he's not just the resurrection and life for, for Lazarus or Mary and Martha, but he's the resurrection and life for us. And Father, we celebrate you. And I ask, Lord, that you would speak in people's hearts that have heard your word clearly today. Help the skeptical. Help the lackadaisical, the distracted, the, the lazy. And help us when we as followers of you become slide into discouragement or laziness. Lord, may we be alert today because of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Visit us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or online at riveralbany.com.